welcome to the 309th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Matt Perkins, joined by special guest Jeremy Bloom, uh, who recently made some of the biggest news, or helped, I should say, make some of the biggest news in the college football world, bringing Coach Prime to Boulder. Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, hopping on with me here today. Yes, pleasure to be here. For sure, we uh, we really appreciate it, Jeremy. Uh, as probably most of you guys know, one of the legendary uh, returners for Colorado and the Eagles, also a, an Olympian. Uh, we'll talk about all of that here coming up in just a minute. Want to remind you guys first that we are presented by BetOnline.ag. They continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it. NBA, NFL, college football. Bowling, esports, golf. I mean, if you can come up with it, they've probably got it over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. Jeremy, I want to start with you. First of all, everyone knows you played for. UC. How long have you been involved in sort of the upper upper level there in, in sort of making these big splash moves happen for the Buffs? You know, I've just been um, a big part of the program ever since I played in, in 2002, you know, and um, I had my own battle with the NCAA when they wouldn't allow me to be a professional skier and an amateur football player. Of course, that all changed over the last couple of years, but um, I was part of that really, you know, fight for athlete rights, testifying in front of Congress and, and meeting a lot of uh, Congress folks along the way. Um, but, uh, when, when Rick George, the athletic director was hired, he was one of the first, uh, he, he reached out to me as one of the first people. And I was grateful to that. And so over the past, you know, several years, I've, I've gotten to know Rick. Um, I think he's an exceptional leader. Um, you know, uh, he really deserves all the credit for, for bringing, you know, Deion Sanders to, to Boulder. Um, but I was, uh, grateful to play a supporting role in that with, with Rick. So look, I have a lot of affinity and love. For my alma mater, they gave me uh, an incredible opportunity. I was just a five foot nine, hundred and fifty nine pound skier. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> they gave me an opportunity to to play football. Uh, Gary Barnett did, and 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 uh, I've always felt the love from from CU Nation. So I would do almost anything to to try to return that program to national prominence, get them in the national conversation, and hopefully that they can become nationally competitive uh, as well. Well, I think you guys have definitely uh, put Colorado back in the mouths, at least, of everyone around the country with this hiring. Uh, you speak of returning to national prominence. I mean, you grew up in Colorado, I believe. And I'm, you know, I'm a child of the 90s who grew up with Cordell Stewart and Brian Westbrook and all of those great teams. What did Colorado football mean to you growing up? Yeah, I mean, my two best friends had season tickets. And so we would, you know, I, I grew up 20 minutes from Boulder. And uh, we would go up to the games and this was in the 90s, right? They were winning national championships and, you know, they, they were you know, winning Heisman trophies with Rashawn Salam. And, and uh, so it was like um, just a massive dream for me um, to, to play for the Buffs. And, and in some cases, like an unimaginable dream to, to think of myself on Folsom Field when, when I was going up through kind of middle school and, and high school. And so, you know, when uh, when I got offered a, a scholarship to play football there, my, my senior season playing for Loveland High School, it, it really was a you know childhood dream come true for me. That's I mean, that that's fantastic. Obviously, it's very special to get to play for your home state. I went to the University of Wisconsin. Wisconsin kids playing in Wisconsin really means something just like I would imagine Colorado kids playing for UC really 
matters. But now with Coach Prime, you're going to be pulling, I would imagine, from a lot more regions of the country. A, when you were a kid, what sold you on wanting to go to UC? And B, what do you think UC has to sell now to recruits who may not be familiar with Boulder or the campus or anything about or anything like that? You know, some people say that you can't win in Boulder. And, um, you know, history tells you that, that that's a wrong theory anyway. I mean, you can point to the national championship. You can point to the 2001 Buffs who, who won the Big 12 championship and were in contention to, to win a national championship. The 2002 Buffaloes that won a Big 12 North title. I mean, you can absolutely win in Boulder. And, and really, everything is set up to win. I mean, Rick George raised a $100 million to build an indoor facility, the Champion Center. So if you look at the facilities at CU, I mean, it, it's on par with, with certainly any team in, in the Pac-12. Uh, the only thing that has been a struggle um, getting um, to, to CU is, is, is the real talent, the five-star talent, the four-star talent, the, the kids coming out of high school that have offers from USC, from Alabama, from, from Georgia, you know, in the history of the University of Colorado, which is a pretty long history, it's 100 years, CU's only had three five-star recruits commit out of high school. So um, the reason I called Rick George on October 2nd when, when he let go of Carl Jarrell, the, the previous head coach, was because I, I said, we, we got to go get Deion Sanders because I, I felt like he was the only coach in the country that could, one, energize the fan base, re-energize the fan base overnight because he's that, he's that type of personality. He's got that type of swagger. Uh, but more importantly, I felt like he was the only uh, coach in the country that could actually bring five-star kids to Boulder. And what gave me confidence about that is when he landed Travis Hunter to Jackson State. I mean, if you think about it, that was totally unprecedented. Never had a five-star recruit that was the number one recruit in the country had offers from LSU and Georgia and Alabama. You go down the list. He went to Jackson State? Like, that was the head-scratching moment for me where I took a step back. I'm like, wow, Deion Sanders um, must be the one of the most incredible head coaches in all of college football if he can convince Travis Hunter to go there. And you know what? A week and a half later, after he's been hired, he's doing it again. Winston Watkins, who's a sophomore five-star out of Fort Myers, Florida, committed to Colorado because he wants to play for Deion Sanders. Travis Hunter, it's rumored he's coming to Colorado. He hasn't committed yet. We'll see. Uh, but he also got a, a four-star All-American junior college transfer. Um, and, and so he's, he's already a week and a half bringing talent to, to Boulder. And that's, that's the only missing ingredients, in my estimation, uh, for that program to, to be nationally re relevant again. Yeah, it's been really interesting to follow. You know, I don't think anyone has the pull of, I, I don't like using the term cult of personality because cult has, you know, very negative connotations. Sort of the pull and that sort of um, aura, I guess, in, in that I can remember that just people gravitate to him when he's in the room. What's it like being in the room with Coach Prime? Because I imagine that is, you know, a lot of what makes recruits want to commit to being it's inspiring. in the program. Inspiring. It's inspiring. How so? I mean, he, he's an inspirational guy. I've been around a lot of great players, great leaders through my days at the Olympic level and, and the NFL level. And, and, and throughout my athletic journey, I've met the best and the brightest. He's up there with anybody. Um, he, he, he's up there with Mike Tomlin who I played for in, in Pittsburgh, as, as far as a guy you get, get around, you're like, wow, I'm going to learn a lot from this guy. I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm just going to listen. And he's got that type of wisdom. And of course, we all know what an incredible athlete he was, right? Two-time Super Bowl champion, one of the best dual sport athletes ever in history. Um, but I don't think a lot of people realize what a good coach he was until 
you know, he started posting a lot of videos from Jackson State, his pregame speech to the team, his postgame speech to the team, his, um, you, you know, the things that he was saying and, and the things that he was doing, you know, you, you like go, wow, this is profound. He's got a lot of wisdom. And, and so, look, I think players want to play for him because they think they're going to learn a lot and, and he's going to get them ready for the NFL, which is true. And parents want their kids to play for him because he's an old school guy. I mean, at his press conference at CU, he said, look, I want kids here on my program opening doors for people on campus. I want them saying, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. There's no hats in the meeting rooms. There's no earrings. There's no cell phones. I mean, that this is old school disciplinarian that we don't see in the millennial generation. Um, and, and so I think parents pay attention to that and say, yeah, I want my kid to be more disciplined. I want them to have respect for um, for folks around them. And so th- th- there's a lot of aspects to like about Dion. Um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons he's, he's able to recruit this talent. Yeah, I can absolutely say, I mean, you can feel that through the television, through the radio interview, through whatever he's doing. He has an innate like passion and intensity that radiates through whatever it is he's doing. And now one of the things that I've noticed a little bit from the outside that you guys have also been doing bring in some big name coordinators, including my friend, Sean Lewis, uh, who is the new offensive coordinator, Come, pulling him, pulling over a head coach to become an offensive coordinator is very difficult to do. What would what was, were you involved in that process at all and getting coach Lewis to campus and what made you target him? No, I wasn't involved in that. But if you, if you rewind the clock two weeks ago, Colorado was the job that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. Colorado was the job that if you were a coordinator, if you were like, you didn't take the job because I mean, look at the, the, the history over the past two decades. Like, and wow, how far have we come in two weeks where to your point, head coaches are leaving their program. Head coaches are leaving good programs to be a coordinator on, on Dion's staff. So look, it's all fun. It's all exciting. You know, for, for Buff Nation, I know it's been this resurgence and people are so excited to be talking about the Buffs again. But he does have a long way to go. I mean, if you look at the transfer portal, there's, there's 10 players in it. Um, that's top 25 in the country. So, so, so players are, are leaving Colorado. And if you look at the commits that were coming to Colorado, a lot of them have decommitted as well, which you knew was going to happen, especially if you, if you listen to what Dion said to the players the first time he met them. And he basically said, a lot of you guys aren't going to make it here. <laughs> You're not good enough. You don't work hard enough. You don't play hard enough. I've watched tape on you. You're quitters. Go jump in the portal because we need, we need to make room. Um, but he, so, so he's got to rebuild, he's got to refill that, that bucket. I mean, when you, when you have 10, 15 recruits are all committed and now they all decommit, you got 10, 15 kids, you got to go out and get just, to, just to start even level, let alone the, the players that you need to bring from other areas. So it's early. He's still building his staff. Um, once his staff is built, um, I think the recruiting will, will really pick up, but I know he's working the phones every single day. In fact, I was I was with him after the press conference, and he was working the phones and with Colorado recruits, four-star players who have already committed to Power Five schools. And he was saying, "Hey, when can I get in front of you and bring your parents? Because when I meet you, it's over. You're coming to Colorado. It's over." I mean, he's got a ton of confidence. Obviously, he's Deion Sanders, right? Earned confidence. He earned it. Yeah. He absolutely did. Okay, I want to go back though. I, I want to talk a little bit more about you. A, would you have wanted to play for Dion as when you were a recruit? Would he been the guy who came into your living room and like swept you up like that as well? You know, I'm a two sport athlete, and yeah. I grew up watching Dion Sanders. And a big reason why I had the confidence to tell my ski coaches 
no, I'm not going to only ski. I'm also going to play football. Or my football coaches, no, I'm not only going to play football. I'm also going to ski is because of Dion. Uh, because I looked at what he was doing on the football field, and the baseball field, and the swagger in which he was doing and the success that he was doing. And I was like 10, 11 years old. And so, yeah, he was one of my biggest heroes growing up. He was the guy that gave me inspiration that I could do both. He, he and Bo Jackson, if you, if you walked into Jeremy Bloom's bedroom at 10 or 11 years old, there's two posters on the wall. It's Deion Sanders and, and Bo Jackson. So the idea of playing for, for Deion Sanders, especially if, if I told my 12-year-old self that someday you – you know, would you want to play for Dion or would you want to help bring Dion to, to your alma mater? Uh, that kid would faint, like he would faint. So, so yeah, no, it was special for me personally on, on a lot of different levels. And to your question, would I have wanted to play for Dion Sanders? 1000% yes. So let's talk about your, on let's talk about your on the field career then uh, for a minute at UC. You had, you set a bunch of UC rec records, even as, as a freshman, you had like the longest re reception, I believe in program history, like 94 yards, you know, you got on the field early. Why, how do you think you got on the field early? As you said, like as an undersized, relatively under-recruited guy. You know, we were pretty good in those years too. We had a lot of talent. And so my, my uh, freshman year, I didn't think I was going to play. Um, I was a third string punt returner and I was a kind of sixth on the depth chart in front of some NFL receivers. And but it was our first game against Colorado State in-state rivals, 80,000 people in Denver Bronco Stadium. And for the first three quarters, we couldn't really do much in, in the game. Um, and I wasn't in the game. Of course, I was watching. I had good seats. Um, and Coach Barnett starts yelling my name at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I, I run up to coach. I, I say, yeah, what's up? He said, I want you to go return this punt. And so I said, sure, coach, no problem. And I throw my helmet. I'm running out there. I'm looking around 80,000 people. And I'm just thinking to myself, holy, you know what? Um, just don't drop the ball. And so, you know, it was a good punt and the guys in front of me gave me a lane and took it back 75 yards for a touchdown. That was the first touchdown of the game. And really since then, um, uh, since that play, I was kind of put into the starting role as a, as a true freshman, as a kick returner, punt returner. And I only got to play two seasons because the NCAA declared me ineligible after my second, after my sophomore season, because I wanted to go to my second Olympics and there was a whole you know debacle there. Um, but, you know, over those two years, I was, you know, I was able to be an All-American and break a lot of records and have a lot of fun and win a lot of games and make a lot of friends and, and learn a lot. Um, and so, I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for, for that time. Of course, I wish I could have played my junior and senior season. I was going to be the number one receiver, which was a huge goal of mine. Uh, but things happened for a reason, and uh, certainly it worked out for me. So more pressure in the starting gate at the Olympics or being in front of 80,000 fans were catching that first punt? Oh, that's easy, man. Uh, by, it's not even close. By far the Olympics. I mean, you think about it this way. Um, you train your whole life, your whole life. I mean, literally, you know, six, seven years old is when I wanted to be an Olympian. So you train your whole life. And for the sport, sport of freestyle skiing, which I skied in, you have 22 seconds. So you train your whole life for 22 seconds. And most people only get one shot. If you're lucky enough and fortunate enough and blessed enough to be an Olympian, you probably won't be an Olympian twice if you just look at the stats. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you can't make a single mistake and you got 22 seconds to be absolutely perfect. Um, and so there's nothing like that. And, you know, in football, you got four quarters, man. Like if you drop a ball, you drop a pun. OK, that sucks. You got you got another play, you know, and, and you got a you know, 12 game season or a 16 game season, depending on which leagues you're in. So um, certainly there is pressure in front of 80,000 people national um, TV. I don't want to minimize that. There is a lot of pressure there. 
especially when you got 11 guys coming to take your head off and you can't even see them because you're looking at the ball. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of pressure in, in football, but, but nothing can compare to, to the Olympics. So now once you're in the league, now you played for, you got to play for both Andy Reed and Mike Tomlin, correct? Mm-hmm. And now Andy Reed obviously has a very notable Colorado guy in Biennemi on his staff for a long time. Have you gotten to know Biennemi at all? Um, was, was he there? Cause I think he was coaching when you were there, correct? Yeah. Coach, coach Biennemi was my kickoff return coach. And we were one of the best kickoff return units in the country. And because of him, I mean, he, he's an exceptional, he's an exceptional coach. He's a great leader. He's a great motivator. He will also say every curse word under the sun to you in front of all your teammates. If you do the wrong thing, I mean, he, he does not hold back. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to see his success in, in, uh, under Andy Reed. Of course, I was very lucky to be coached by two NFL legends. I mean, Hall of Fame type coaches in Mike Tomlin and, and Andy Reid. And it's been fun to see their success now. Um, of course, Andy's at, in Kansas City now um, and finally got that Super Bowl ring that he so well earned and, and, and deserved. But yeah, Coach Enemy's, um, you know, uh, Coach B Enemy's a, a good friend of mine and, and, and somebody who uh, had a big influence on my life. Yeah, um, our friend uh, Brian Calhoun, who's been on the show, had him at Colorado as well before he transferred to Wisconsin. And he has some great stories about him that cannot be shared publicly. Um, But uh, one of the things you've been doing more recently is you've been doing a lot of advocacy for mental health. How did you get into that space? I had a good friend that committed suicide. And, uh, you know, it was really sad for me and his family and all the people that loved him. I grew up skiing with him. And uh, we were on the freestyle ski team together. He was an aerialist. I was a mogul skier and kind of rose the ranks together at similar similar time. And it, his name was Jarrett Peterson or Jarrett Speedy Peterson, as people called him. His nickname was Speedy. And, um, you know, he's incredibly talented kid, had the world uh, on his fingertips, won a silver medal at the Vancouver Games. I mean, just, just a guy that was kind of living big, living large, full trophy case, lots of friends and um, just battle demons. And, you know, at one point he, he came to me and said, I'm, I'm really not well. And um, it was before World Cup in Lake Placid and, and I had no idea what he meant. I had no idea what mental health really was. And, you know, I was taught um, from my coaches, especially in football to like ignore weakness in the brain or thoughts of, you know, uh, depression. And, and uh, if you had those thoughts, you were just a weak person. That's kind of how I I was trained and, and, and learned, so I didn't know what to say to him. I wish, I wish, uh, I wish I, I did. And then about you know six laters or so, he, he took his life. So w- when that happened, I said I, I need to get better educated on this topic, and I need to do some advocacy around mental health and try to make a difference. And so when uh, when Brett Radner came to me and said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a documentary on on mental health? Um, I said absolutely, and I'm and I'm in. And then I, you know, helped Brett raise the first couple hundred thousand dollars for what eventually became The Weight of Gold. Um, and uh, HBO signed on to, to produce it towards the end. And Michael Phelps signed on uh, to kind of narrate it. And it was an incredible journey. Um, a lot of my friends uh, in that documentary, I, I called them uh, and said, hey, have you ever thought about this topic? And do you want to talk about it on camera? We're doing a documentary. Um, and here's the reason we're, we're doing it. And I was shocked at how many people said yes. And I was even more surprised how many people were on, you know, went, went in front of a camera and said, I really struggle with this, including guys like Sean White and Apollo Ono and uh, Bodie Miller. And, and so it was a fascinating journey. And, it, it, you know, the, the documentary, I think, came out really well. It changed lives. We still receive lots of 
you know, letters and emails about how that uh, documentary changed people's perspective in life. Because a lot of people's perspective is like, if you're dealing with sadness or, or, or extreme depression, it's because your life isn't working out for you. You didn't win that game. You didn't get that job. You didn't have that money. And it's not really connected to that. The data shows like, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how full your trophy case is or what you've accomplished. Mental health disease doesn't care about how full your trophy case is. It can, it can hit anyone at any time. And I think normalizing the conversation and making this less about a human weakness and more about a disease like diabetes or cancer or any other disease and treating it that way and thinking about it that way is, a, is an important narrative that, that uh, we, we talk about and we share. Are you incorporating this stuff that you've learned in the football or trying to help incorporate that into the football program as well with the student athletes that are coming in saying, hey, like you guys have these resources available. It's OK to talk about it, anything like that. I sit on the board of the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Association, and, and so we've done work to make sure that our athletes are, are well taken care of. I've also consulted with uh, Sarah Hirschland, the, the CEO of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee on the topic as well. And she's doing some great work for Olympic athletes. So the two circles that I'm most involved in are the Olympics and, and uh, USA skiing. So those are the areas in which that um, I'm making sure together with the board of directors and the staff that we have the right support structure for our athletes. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, um, we'll get you out here, out of here on this. We already know that uh, Colorado Buffalo season ticket lines are uh, longer than ever now, uh, according to your tw- uh, according to your Twitter profile. Um, how do you think kickoff at the first home game for for Coach Prime <laughs> the team is going to be like? Are you going to be there? And what are you most looking forward to? So his first game will be against. TCU. That'll be a tough game, obviously, with TCU being in the in the playoff this year. Uh, but that's an away game. His first home game, ironically, and this is just serendipity at work. It has to be because you, there's no other way to explain it. Is against Nebraska, and anybody who has followed CU football for decades knows there is not a single more hated opponent in the country than Nebraska. There's no bigger rival than in the country than than nebraska for for cu and this goes way back to the big 10 days right and and so the fact that his first home game is going to be played at Folsom field against the biggest rival biggest historic rival of the university of colorado is really cool and really it's going to be a special day will i be there absolutely 100 percent. i will be there uh god willing but um you know, it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, it's fun to talk trash in the offseason because everybody's undefeated. And I say the offseason because they're not going to a bowl game, recognizing that there's still football to be played this year. But for Colorado, it's the offseason. And they'll be undefeated until September, right? <laughs> and so, but, you know, or August. But, but you know, once the games start playing, we'll see. And and this could take a little bit of time for for Prime to, to rebuild the program, or it could happen overnight, really depending on the staff that he hires and the kids and the talent that he can bring to Boulder. But as I say, either way, it's going to be fun. It's not going to last long. Prime is not going to be in Boulder that long. He's going to either get elevated or terminated. As he said, that's the two way to pass for, for coaches. Um, but uh, bring your popcorn, man, because it's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. And it's going to be a spectacle. And at least we're having a national conversation about CU football again. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to have the Buffs back in the national conversation. I've been, you know, a circuitous fan of the program just from growing up watching Cordell Stewart, basically more than anything else. Like, I mean, he was the most fun football player to watch 
you know, when yeah, he was that, incredible, I mean, th- there was no one else like him. So, uh, Jeremy, where can people find you on social media? Oh, I'm easy to find, man. Just like Prime, I'm not hard to find. I'm on, you know, Twitter and uh, probably Twitter is the easiest. Jeremy Bloom 11. All right, Jeremy Bloom 11 on Twitter. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here today on Illegal Motion, presented by betonline.ag and mikefarrellsports.com, part of the Believe Network. We will be back with our first round of bowl previews a little bit later this week, and we will see you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.